everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, Syracuse has to win the ACC Tournament Week. It's not this week, but it's the week where we now really have to win the ACC tournament. <laughs> I mean, I think every week is Syracuse needs to win the ACC tournament week, if we're being realistic. Certainly now. I mean, maybe maybe this is like we've been kind of disillusioned to think that might not be the case, but it's definitely the case now. True. I uh, I don't I don't love this situation. Although there there is like an outside. Like if we win out, I think depending on who we face, I could see us being able to get. In with two wins and a close loss. If we get like two of the like three teams. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we could go four and zero and be the fifth seed. And if we pull that off, then we'd face Virginia in round in the quarterfinals. We'd face one of Duke, Louisville, and uh, and FSU um, in the next round, barring some sort of huge upset. Um, and then if we win that game, then we'd have whichever one of the one of the other two um, in the championship game. That's really our only like that's our that's a path. I think the best path is probably finishing like here's the problem. Like I don't think we need I don't think we can lose anymore. But one way and because it makes it infinitely harder. But I think we'd be better off as like a sixth seed, and then we face a three to start. We face the two the next round, and then we get to face the one of the four in the championship game. Yeah, I, I I think we talked about it last week. Like we want to at this point play the most good teams as possible. Like that's the that's the best possible scenario for Syracuse, unless you're like totally banking on winning the whole thing. But like with how the double buy works, like you're probably gonna run run into those teams anyway. So it, it is a tough call, like I said. I I think you have to go four and zero at this point because any losses uh, any losses against the the remaining slate which is like not necessarily a murderer's row, uh, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Boston college, Miami. Um, so definitely not like the, the toughest slate. These are all teams in the bottom half of the ACC right now. Um, BC has been playing a little bit better of late and North Carolina is incredibly talented. However, still not, not really a great group. If you look at the teams we're tied with right now, um, NC state, Clemson, Syracuse, and Notre Dame are all eight and eight in conference play. Notre Dame is playing really well of late. Um, NC State's pulled off a big win over Duke. Uh, Notre Dame's played well, as I mentioned. Clemson's played well and upset Louisville. Like those teams all have tiebreaker uh, wins on us, either by way of head to head or in Notre Dame's case, by way of beating a better team um, than we have, which is uh, one of the many tiebreakers that the ACC tournament has. So we don't want to be tied with any of those teams um, if we want to get a better seed. I just think. Like we again, we're, we're best situated in terms of those teams uh, from a remaining schedule standpoint, which is good. Um, I, I just know my Syracuse, and I know you do too. And, uh, and I don't feel like three out of four on the road to end the season is going to result in a in a four and zero run. No, definitely not. And, and I don't even blame them for that, to be honest. Um, I know one of the more interesting things we can start kind of getting into some of the games um, against Georgia Tech. Syracuse uh, did not shoot a ton of threes. They shoot, shot the fewest threes of the season. Um, noted non-noon magician reader Jim Beheim um, seemed to follow the advice of one Kevin Wall um, from less than a week ago on the site who said that we should shoot less threes because we're really inefficient at them. Um, lo and behold, uh, uh, we shot fewer threes. We managed to uh, to get a victory over Georgia Tech, which was a positive, I, I would say. I know a, a kind of scary one at the Dome uh, for a lot of people for a decent amount of the uh, game, but 
luckily managed to, to eke that one out against a Georgia Tech squad that had actually been playing pretty well um, of late and, and was at full strength, unlike um, was the case the first time around when Syracuse blew him out by 30. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much the game means in terms of like eventual NCAA tournament uh, hopes or what. Um, I just thought it was nice to see the team uh, take a huge shot in the first half and really look like it had nothing and like maybe it was ready to pack it in for the year uh, and instead like rally and, and you know, really dominate the second half. Um, it, you know, it, it might, may or may not mean much in the grand scheme of like what happens with the season, but seeing the team kind of respond to like uh you know oh this 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 team looks like it's completely run out of steam here was it was nice to to see them put together a really gutsy performance and and really dominate the second half in a way we haven't seen them play in a long time yeah it's a thing i mean they scored over 50 points in the second half like it was just a really nice job and again the caveat for georgia tech but georgia tech's not a terrible team um, by any means this year i think any acc team we discussed this like none of them are terrible um, North Carolina somehow is the closest to being terrible uh, this year of, of the ACC teams. And even them, I, I think they still have you know more talent on the roster than than most teams in the country uh, by a significant amount. So like realistically, there's no terrible team. There's just a lot of teams that are in that like weird bloated middle class right now. And and, and so I, I don't I don't take any win against any of those teams lightly. Um, and beating Georgia Tech is, is, is something that we should do uh, more often than not. And, and it was good to see, you know, SU kind of change their style of play and change their their, their approach um, and, and still manage to to get that win. So I'll take it. That's one. Uh, we're still going to need – we're going to need two more if we want to avoid the uh, the eighth straight two and four finish. Uh, we're going to need four in a row, uh, I think, if we want to keep any sort of NCAA tournament hopes alive. None of these wins are going to get us closer to the NCAA tournament, but any loss is going to take us even further away. Yeah, uh, again, it's it's the the path is basically through the ACC tournament. I think, like, I guess you could you could bolster things and maybe hope for some like chaos in other postseasons if you are able to pick up two wins and maybe not win the tournament. Bar like great if those two wins are against good teams, but um, yeah, at this point you have to kind of I, I think the the only real like you do this and you're in obviously because it's an automatic bid path is winning the whole thing. So. Um, I guess that means we could like kvetch about the the individual regular season games a little bit less, but even so, like I think we all want to see uh, the team end with a winning record, um, and you know maybe even push for twenty total wins, whether or not that finishes in the NIT or whatever. Um, so there are other things still on the line. They're just uh, you know in terms of the the grand like get to the tournament and see what happens. Uh, it's it's just a very narrow uh, path at this point. Yeah, definitely don't. Love it. Uh, you know, we, we've been through this week, week after week. Um, right now, we started mentioning seeding before. Syracuse could finish as high as fourth um, if Virginia manages to go 0-4 and, and we go 4-0. Um, that would put us at 12-8 and and the Who's at 11-9. I don't see that happening. Uh, and we could finish as low as um, 14th, which is not great. Um, I feel like a lot would have to happen for us to finish. I know it's like the the it's a pretty big jumble, but like I guess we'd have to like lose out and have because like North Carolina only has three or four wins, right? And, well, actually, no. We'd have to. We couldn't finish fourteenth. We'd have to finish. We could finish as low as thirteenth. Okay. So yeah, because we had the we had the head to head against Wake. So Wake is four and twelve at current. 
Um, so the best record they could have is uh, eight and twelve. Best record, the worst record we could have is eight and twelve. We had the head-to-head win, so we couldn't fall any further than thirteenth. Uh, Miami's at six and eleven. Um, obviously, if they go nine and eleven and we go eight and twelve, um, or if both teams have the same record, Miami would will potentially have a head-to-head win over us in this final four with that happening. So obviously the most wins uh, we could get out of this scenario would be um, winning out. I think there's also a scenario where we lose a bunch of games and then play and then play through a few rounds of the ACC tournament. But I think we'd also in that case play that play ourselves out of any sort of at large bid situation. So kind of just restating facts over and over again at this point, but I, uh, I think we're going to, I think we're going to know a decent amount about what this team's capable of at the end by this pit game, uh, which we can kind of get into a bit. Um, I know Pitt has lost four straight and, uh, and five of six. They definitely haven't looked great. Um, really ever since that, uh, that Florida state game uh, where they won to start the season, um, the Knowles and Panthers have been kind of going on completely different trajectories. I just think Pitt, I think they're getting better but they're still not great. Um, they're definitely not a team that scores very easily. Uh, they're not a team that rebounds very well. They're not an efficient team. They're a decent defense, but they're not a great defense. Um, and then they're not really great uh, in terms of ball movement. So a lot of things that seem to favor Syracuse, though last time around um, against the Orange, uh, Pitt did kind of give us at least a little bit of a battle um, and a 69-61 win for SU. Yeah, just historically, like obviously Pitt has had our number for a long time. It's waning a bit over the last couple of coaches. Uh, thank you, Tevin Stallings, our, the, the greatest cheater in college basketball history. Um, who, uh, if you guys missed the news, uh, got Pitt in some NCAA trouble, despite the fact that I think he went, what, 0-18 uh, that year in ACC play. This is so Greg just, Robinson uh, levels of cheating. Like, really walking, like uh, – uh, walking on a string in terms of being able to get into NCAA uh, violations um, while also not winning anything. It really, Red Robinson is the best example. Um, so Stallings head coaching career at D1 probably has to be over at that point. Um, you cannot, you, you can cheat. You can certainly cheat. You cannot cheat and go 0 and 18 in conference. <laughs> that is not going to be tolerated. Cheat and go like anything else. You can probably find another job. Um yeah, so they're obviously better off now. Um, they gave us a, a tough team uh, earlier this year, although we are finding ways to beat them now with some regularity, which is nice uh, for those of us who went to Syracuse uh, in the late 2000s, early 2010s, when that just wasn't a thing that ever happened. Um, but uh, it's also like one of those games where, as you said, we will see uh, how much life this team has down the stretch. And, and uh, you know, hopefully this Georgia Tech game is kind of indicative where they're, they're you know, whatever happens to the NCAA tournament, they're not ready to pack it in because, you know, they're not doing anyone a service in doing that. We, they're still obviously like other things to play for. We'd love to see uh, Elijah get uh, first team all ACC, maybe even play for ACC player of the year, although that might be tough to win if the team isn't going to make the, it's uh, a blade tournament. There, there's still like other things kind of uh, floating around the periphery here. Um, and I don't expect them to pack it. And I think this team is too proud. Um, and I appreciate, you know, whatever happened in halftime of that game. Uh, hopefully they can kind of keep that energy going. Um, and, and, you know, outside of like just playing hard, I think the, the whole like kind of shift to pounding it inside, playing more around the basket, not forcing threes thing is interesting. Um Obviously, this team kind of came up this year as a, a three-point shooting team, or 
or, or a little bit of a, like a Rockets uh, hardened ball, like, you know, close to the basket slash, you know, beyond three point range team. Um, but it has been like way more efficient around the basket in general, I feel like all year. Um, and we have some of our better finishers uh, in a long time. Um, so we'll see if they keep on kind of moving in that direction or if that was just like a one half blip or if other teams try to kind of counter what they're doing. Um, it's just, you know, plenty up in the air right now. And, and it's funny because, you know, you think you kind of know a team and, and things still tend to change and uh, morph throughout the year. So it's, we're still seeing this team play in different ways and find different ways to win throughout the year and uh, struggle in, in, you know, new ways that we, we didn't expect, unfortunately, too. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the wackier like Syracuse teams. I think like, like realistically, we didn't talk ourselves into too much with this squad going into the year, um, but they've been a really wacky group just in terms of like you said the way that they won games in, in different ways. Um, you know, sometimes we're putting on three point shooting clinics. Sometimes Rice cold from out there. Um, sometimes it ends up that we were able to kind of pound it inside. Other times, all of our big men fell out with ten minutes to go. Um, we've at one point weren't involved in a single game that was in single digits. And pretty much since then, every game's been in single digits um, except for the uh, Louisville blowout. I felt like we knew a little bit more about this team, um, you know, after like the Clemson, the close Clemson loss and the close Duke loss. Um, But then, you know, they look completely gassed a week later against wake. Um, Obviously, you know, the Elijah Hughes aspect of that becoming an issue, Um, you know, NC state, um, sorry, not Elijah Hughes on that one. Uh, that was the uh, the game where we had no bigs uh, for the last 10 minutes. Um, that became an issue. Um, Elijah Hughes being absent in the NC State game definitely uh, became a factor. Florida State being down their best player factored into a three-point loss there, though we did have a lead for, for a bunch of time in that one. You would think that the team that was able to, again, play Duke close, um, eke out a win against Wake Forest without bigs, um, and then lose close ones to NC State and Florida State, like that team should be one that was least competitive with Louisville ends up that the Louisville game was a blowout. Um, and then, you know, swing right around a few days later and they're able to, to, to beat a, a hot Georgia tech team um, by seven and, and, and really look good in the second half doing it. So weird, um, not necessarily a conventional season by any means. Um, SU basketball doesn't necessarily have the same like wackiness from game to game and, and just like, you know, wacky and dumb seasons um, collection that that football team does and has accumulated over the last 20 years in particular. Um, so, so I guess congrats to the basketball team for finally making it into the, uh, the, the dumb game and dumb season uh, conversation. It probably like, we probably could have already done it. It's just that the teams had more general success. Uh, so we wouldn't have to, but I'm sure if we wanted to go through and expand the talk, we could find a bunch of examples uh, of dumb teams, uh, dumb seasons for sure. Um, but definitely dumb games. I mean, you know, maybe it's probably probably off-season fodder. But yeah. uh, this year, yeah, I mean, I think going into the Louisville game, we were kind of, I mentioned a couple times, like, we seem to win one of these games every year, and, like, hopefully that would mean, like, we would find a way to get that this year beyond just, like, a, you know, a nice but not super impressive win over a way down Virginia team. Um, we also usually get blown out really bad at least once a year, and I know we had the non-conference struggles, but... Um, yeah, I guess that was also overdue because we just looked uh, completely outclassed by Louisville. Louisville's really good. Um, it just like wasn't even a contest, and it looked like that was that was spilling over to Georgia Tech, unfortunately too. But um, yeah, that's just a tough. I mean, when you're 
you know, outscored 49-32 in the second half. It felt like honestly way worse than that. Um, after a first half that was like close-ish, even if Louisville looked like they were like kind of teetering on pulling away for a while. Um, yeah, just never fun. And, and kind of, it, it's one of those games that seemed to like confirm what our record looked like, even though we had like all these really close losses and and other things that we you know thought might mask what is a better team than uh, than things have looked uh, from time to time. Louisville really seemed to put us in our place, which was not a not a fun reminder of of how things stand. Yeah, on that note, um, why don't we hear from our sponsor quick? And we're back. Um, I know we're just glowing with positivity right now, Dan. But uh, before we get to halftime, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about Pittsburgh, um, Syracuse's upcoming opponent on Wednesday. Um, as mentioned, SU beat them by eight earlier in the season. Now we're headed to Pittsburgh. Um, Pitts look pretty rough of late, losing five of six. And they seem like a perfect team for Syracuse to be able to beat. Um, no one in the regular rotation hits more than 33% of their threes. Um, they only have a couple players who average five or more rebounds a game, um, only three double-digit scorers. They have a varied attack in some ways, but again, if nobody's scoring more than 12.3 points per game, uh, it's kind of hard to, to really buy into that. Um, they're not a great shooting team. They don't play with a lot of pace. They're a decent defense. Um, they shoot free throws fairly well, and they don't move the ball well. So that's a very general view of Pitt, but but I think an accurate one. Um, of a team that looked like they could be surprising earlier in the season again with that aforementioned win over Florida State. And since then, uh, definitely looks significantly rougher. And they're, uh, they're not really in any sort of NCAA tournament conversation at this point. They're really just kind of playing out the string and looking to get you know better year over year um, here as they continue to, to kind of dig the, the program up from the grave. Yeah, looking at the first game between us and Pitt, it, it actually looked a lot like uh, these recent games that Syracuse has played. Um, neither team shot the three well. Both were five for 21. Um, Syracuse shot better from the field. Uh, it was actually a rare uh, down game for Elijah Hughes. He only had 10 points on 13 shots. But we had a, a big buddy game. He had 21 in that one, uh, knocked down four of eight threes. Uh, a nice Marek game. He had 17 and seven and three assists. Um and uh, another just total rarity, um, no one fouled out. Barama had four, and uh, Quincy had four, but Ta-da. no foul outs. And I almost wanted like quickly go through the bot stores and find out if that's the last time we had no one foul out because it, it feels uh, it feels like that. Barama on Saturday was like something where he didn't commit a foul for the first uh, what like. Uh, 24 minutes of game time and yeah. i mean he sat, he sat a bunch of that too uh for one reason or another but he didn't commit a foul until like a decent chunk into the second half and then fouled out in eight minutes <laughs> and just, played like a really really solid second half before that happened too <laughs> he's just and I, I said this before i know you and i talked about it like at land like you know what if, if we were making hard physical plays if we were like really like getting after guys under the rim like i'd be okay with the fouls like if we were winning rebounding battles or if we were at least competing on the boards, like fine. But realistically, like most of these instances of fouling out are like, especially with Barama and not like picking on him, but like, are just touch fouls and like, just like not understanding like foot placement and just like avoiding that contact. And that's just such a bummer because you know, th- th- that's where like the coaching staff does have to be held accountable to some extent. And like it, Sadiq is good enough to play these minutes he should be playing these minutes. However, um, got to be smarter about the fouls. Got to be smarter about we you know the position it puts us in um, as a team, where 
you know, we, we, like, like you said, eight minutes and you could potentially lose your, your starting center, not really a great, uh, not really a great look and, and not the sort of thing that's going to, going to help this team win and develop, not really going to help Barama develop either. Like, again, he's a good player. He's shown, he's shown some ability inside and he's a better offensive player than, uh, than, you know, Pascal Chukwu was, even though Chukwu was a better defender. Um, he has like some upside. I don't think like, you know, he's not somebody who's going to like suddenly blow up like, you know, AO or, or Rick Jackson or Rocky and Christmas, but he is somebody who could be a little bit more consistent on offense. And, and I would love to see maybe even like eight and eight from him per game would be nice. Um, I just, th- th- and until he gets rid of the like pointless fouls, it's going to be really hard to hit that number. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's definitely more frustrating because like he has these even like more, I wouldn't say more often than not, but like, Every couple of games, he has really capable offensive performances. But when you're going to give up like one foul, forty, you know, beyond midcourt, um, you're going to inevitably get called for a touch foul that probably doesn't need to be called because it's college basketball, and that's what happens. So then, like, you're already going to you have to be cognizant that like five fouls isn't always what it seems. So you have to be very careful, and you can't just give away any. It's just there, there. It's things are called too tight and in, in certain games like the refs are just not going to be on your side so um i definitely think it's a thing the coaches need to really really uh force home this offseason we'll have a little bit more depth help next year because uh obviously marek is back we will get john balajac um we've heard pretty good things about uh as a redshirt freshman, we'll add uh, Woody Newton as a kind of a, a, a steady four. Um, obviously, Gary A, I think, could be on, you know, ready to, for a breakout season next year. So, Edwards like, there'll be more well. yeah. yeah, Edwards, I think we're all very high on. Um, obviously, he's still kind of rounding into shape and, like, you know, freshman in the zone is always uh, – freshman centers, especially in the zone, is always an adventure. But when he's been forced into mid minutes, like – He's been pretty capable. Um, obviously, he's not always in position, but he like messes around and will block some shots like randomly away from like, the basket. Uh, he has a, such like natural length and athleticism, and his offensive game I think is probably the most like naturally uh, impressive that we've had since uh, I would say Rich Jackson um, at that stage in his development. So, yeah, so we'll definitely have more fouls diff- uh, diff away next year. Um, obviously, that's you know, to be determined how many guys Bayhams is willing to roll out there. Historically, we know what that number is. Um, but at the same time, like, if you're our starting center, uh, you cannot be, like, some of that, the onus has to be spread. And um, it's been all a problem all season. And it's very dispiriting that it hasn't been addressed more quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this goes back to some of the adjustments conversations from earlier in the year that I think we'll, we'll, we'll circle back on at the end of the year so that we don't look like we have egg on our face. <laughs> for for any random reason. Um, I will say Marek, at least he does have a touch foul here and there, but at least he's gotten, at least I can have, I'm, I'm much more appreciative of the like scrapping and like clawing for loose balls and really getting after it and getting more aggressive near the rim. And like those types of things are why he's getting fouls. And, I, and I'm more okay with that, even if he's more important to the offense and the team overall. <laughs> Yeah, I think Marek can also definitely improve in that end, but also he winds up getting put in positions that he probably shouldn't have to be put in. Like he shouldn't be having to play the five all that often unless we're going small, which is not generally what we're trying to do. Um, so it's it's like 
I I think he does need to to be smarter about some of these things. But like the foul, I think that he had late that took him out of the game. He didn't foul out on Saturday, but I think he got four. Was like uh, an offensive rebound he was never going to get, and like just things like that. That uh, shots that you're never going to successfully contest. Like just live to fight fight another day with some of these. Um, but at the same time, ref shouldn't have to put in all the number all the the minutes at the five that he ends up having to do. Um, I think the one guy who has done a lot better is Quincy. Uh, obviously, he you know you're done to pick up fouls if you're playing uh, on the inside. Uh, it just like it's it's a it just happens. But Quincy, I think, has gotten a lot better about not giving away fouls. Like when he commits them now, um, I think they're generally pretty earned. And also, I don't think he's fouled out in a, in a while here. So probably since that weight game. Um, so I think there there's definitely some improvement with some guys. But but uh, Barama's definitely the the main culprit and it and it kills you when he's playing so good on Saturday and obviously we ended up winning the game so it didn't ultimately change the outcome but like you you wonder what he could have done had he not thrown in that like foul barrage at the middle of the second half too true yeah I think the uh the, the what ifs there's a lot of what ifs about this team I think it's a lot of what ifs about Sadiba in particular um uh, I think it's not gonna be me, but I think somebody on the site probably ends up doing a little bit of a deep dive on SU big men this off season. And uh, I'm looking forward to that once I sign it out and once some research gets started. Uh, other things I'm looking forward to, Dan, what have you been drinking this uh, um, this past week? After a busy week last week, I actually didn't have anything this week. Uh, Monday we recorded after I had a couple beers that day, kind of on my day off. And then Tuesday I came down with a really bad stomach bug, which took me out of commission for a couple days. So I've been taking it easy since then and luckily i'm feeling a lot better but uh did not have i had a drink yesterday but it wasn't beer um i had a we i was out to ramen with some friends and uh had a had a cocktail there but yeah so uh no no beers for me this past week after uh, tuesday i was like bedridden for hours i'm glad to hear you're feeling better yeah so if, if you missed my tweets on tuesday that's that's where i was <laughs> fair enough uh on my end I had from modern times had a, a star jungle, uh, hazy Pilsner, which I was really interested to see what that was all about. Uh, it was pretty good beer and modern times always does really good work. Star jungle was great. Um, had one of the last, uh, sim coast to coast, uh, cans from Beachwood that I had in the fridge. Also down at Bottlecraft in long beach, uh, had uh, bottles and flowers. It was a, uh, West coast IPA from Beachwood. That was really good. Also had some field work brewing, um, up in NorCal, uh, raspberry parfait, uh, sour beer, really good. Actually, tasted like a raspberry parfait. It was pretty excellent. Um, for modern times, had a, a double dry hopped Orderville um, IPA. They just put that one in cans recently, so that was really good. And then stopped over at uh, Monkish down in Torrance for a uh, a kiss up Pilsner, and then also a Domino Effect, um, just hazy IPA. Uh, it was double dry hopped as well, so. I feel like I enjoyed Double Dry Hop single uh, hazies more. So I actually ended up getting a growler fill of that one um, after having a taster over there. So not the craziest weekend, but busy enough. Yep. Should be back at it uh, on my end here, uh, especially because I think it's it's New York City Beer Week this week. So nice. Uh, back in, back in uh, hopefully in for the, at least a couple interesting things, depending on what my availability is. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure other half are, and a bunch of other places have stuff going on. Yeah, there should be plenty, plenty to choose from. Just have to find some time after work. There. All right, Dan. So, uh, do you think Syracuse is going to be pit on Wednesday? Yeah, I, I'm not super impressed with this pit team. We beat them uh, first door round uh, in what you know 
relatively comfortably despite not a great offensive performance. Um, I think uh, if we, I mean, we, we should get a better Elijah game than we had the first time around, whether or not we get a better buddy game, uh, considering he had one of his better games of the year against Pitt. Um, it's yet to be seen, but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, if, had we lost Saturday, I would almost be like, okay, this team's just packing it in. But the, the way they responded in the second half gives me some uh, some heart uh, about these these last four. Um, I really hope we can win that UNC one, honestly, more than anything else, because I think that'll be a big recruiting night for us. But uh, but the pit game, I think, you know, we'll definitely want to go out there and have a good performance um, against a team that's kind of in a similar spot to us. Um, and, and, you know, at this point, hopefully uh, kind of edge our way up the ACC standings now uh, since, you know, we do have that to play for, where if we, if we do finish in the top four, things do get interesting. I know we, we've kind of debated the uh, importance of, like, where we want to end up. Um, I guess now, like I would say, if you can get in the top four, do it just so you have one fewer game you have to win. Uh, and, and you know, you'll have to. I, think it was, I would say the one issue with finishing the top four means that UVA is completely, like, tanked, in which case that win means less. Yeah, again, like I, I just I'm so skeptical <laughs> that we have a path to make as an at-large. Um, and even if you finish top four, you're probably going to have to face uh, at least like two. I mean, unless all mayhem breaks loose. But even that, I think like you're either going to uh, have to face like at least two of the big hitters in the ACC or the field somehow opens up for you, um, in which case like you know, either one can kind of get you where you need to go. Uh, I honestly think that even, I mean, if we do, like, I'm trying to game out, like, if we were to face Duke and Florida State in the ACC tournament and beat both, then lose to Louisville, like, does that get us in? I honestly don't know. Um, maybe it depends on what we did. If, if we would finish 4-0 and and that happened, I think it'd be, if we didn't get blown out in the final game, I think it would be potentially enough because it's a neutral site. If they were both at home, I'd say maybe not. But I think, like you said, I think it, it's hard to say without knowing what else is going on in the bubble. Yeah, so I think, like, I just think as, as a fan perspective, like, at this point, things are so, we're, like, they're, they're working so hard against us that you kind of have to root for the most direct path to winning the ACC tournament. And then, you know, if something else happens, it happens. But I think I would sign for finishing in fourth and saying, okay, that's one fewer game that we have to win. So that's just probably if you were to do, I know this doesn't always work out because we've seen, you know, a lot of teams flame out after that double buy. I think I would still take my chances on it based on how this team has played this year. If I was, you know, given the choice. Fair. I'd almost rather we went four and oh, but Virginia also still finished fourth. And then we ended up fifth and, fifth. and yeah, fifth with a chance to beat a, trash team and get warmed up a little bit yeah and then face yeah and then face virginia and then get to face virginia anyway yeah so we get to face virginia and then as the five if we were to win that game then we'd have to face the one whoever that may be the one who i think let me see what the standings are now they're Um, all like they're all pretty bunched i think right now i know i think louisville's beating is louisville getting beaten by florida state right now uh, Florida State ran away with it. So Florida State is now fourteen and three. Um, so they and Louisville the same record. I is that the first Florida State Louisville meeting? Uh, I believe so. I'm looking. Uh, they won both actually. Yeah, so. so Florida State is in. I think in the driver's seat because they they lost to Duke, but 
They have two wins over Louisville, so they have the tiebreaker there. Duke is half a game behind. Um, so, yeah, as of now, it'll be Florida State. And we played Florida State pretty tight. So, like, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. And then you'd get the Duke-Louisville winner, which, you know, we've seen us get blown out by teams and beat them in the tournament before, more often than the Big East. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, the, the there's, like, some freedom in, like, knowing you basically have to, like, win pretty much everything down the stretch to, like, not have to worry about gamifying things out at this point. So, yeah, so either way, I think uh, I think you can definitely make the argument that you want to, you know, have a team to to kind of get going. We've seen teams go on runs in the ACC tournament from like that five sit spot, uh, and we've seen teams fall on their face in the first game. Um, I'd also just be very worried about us losing to any of the teams in that in the range of where we might play because obviously no one is safe in the ACC this season. Yeah, I would agree. I. I... Said, but I, I agree with, with the overarching point that we both made. Um, of just, just, just aim, aim for the most direct path, and let's just, uh, let's just go from there. Luckily, there's no like, I, I just don't think you're in a position where you're like rooting for Syracuse to lose any games. So, like, you just let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I, I agree there too. Um, speaking of results, um, I'll say that Syracuse beats Pitt. Give me something like seventy. Three to sixty-seven. Um, uh, sounds reasonable. Yeah, I'll go a little uglier. I'll go. Uh, I'll go sixty-four fifty-eight. Oof. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> it's Sam, a game. I think that was given. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, why don't we take another quick break for our sponsor? And we are back. Um, little news that came across today for football, Dan. Um, I think something that you and I definitely weren't surprised by. I don't think anybody was. Um, Kirk Martin, after taking like senior offensive analyst job it, with Syracuse, is headed back to Texas. Um, he'll be taking over at Colleyville Heritage High School in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So good for him, first of all. I think this is something you and I kind of floated and other people floated too. Like, seemed pretty likely um, after, you know, the quarterback position didn't necessarily develop well last year. Obviously, um, you know, Martin has the family connections to Babers. Um, via Baber's daughter, married to Coda Martin, um, who played offensive line for one year for Syracuse. I think they were kind of a package deal in some ways that really helped us out because um, Coda played really well um, in his one year at SU. I did think that once last year didn't necessarily work out the quarterback position, um, that we could see a change. Um, good for him for being able to parlay um, this into a, uh, a head, another head coaching job. I was hoping he'd be able to land in the college ranks. Uh, maybe that comes, though, in the future. Yeah, I mean, this also might have been where he was most comfortable. I mean, this is where we got him from, basically, uh, this job. And the fact that, you know, it's not surprising that he was able to come do do some time at SU, see, you know, if college was going to be a long-term fit. Obviously, last year, I don't think worked out the way we had hoped. I think Coda Martin for a year really did work out. It was great. Um, and I don't think there's any, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with Babers doing what he did. Um, I'm glad that this ended, didn't end up being like a, a more long-term weight around uh, Babers' neck because of the kind of potentially awkward family fit. But obviously we don't know how the relationship between those two guys works out. But ultimately, like, you know, I won't say no harm, no foul. Like he had to move to, to a different place for a couple of years, but he had a couple of years of experience as a college position coach. And um I think there are worse things in the world than now getting to go back and run a, a pretty, I'm assuming a pretty uh, high up high school uh, program, which is the spot he was in when we, when we brought him on. So uh, hope it all works out for him. Um, 
you know, to, I, I, to obviously, I, I don't think any of us were like thrilled with the overall quarterback development. I, I mean, I think Tommy had a nice year last year, but hopefully a bedroom for improvement. But, um, you know, we don't begrudge anyone that was willing to come to Syracuse and bring his son to Syracuse for a year and, and really difference in, in our, our best season in recent memory. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Martin goes and thrives at his new stop. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, for the most part, he's somebody who like there's there's plenty of coaches that I, I never wish ill for any of them, although Greg Robinson, probably. Um, I, I, I think in general, I just kind of like say like, yeah, you know what didn't work out, like whatever. Like even Schaefer, who like didn't really like the media fans, probably myself, uh, a lot of people at the end. Um, I, I always wanted him to, to land a good spot. Um, George McDonald was somebody I, I, I was fine with landing in a good spot. I was just confused as to how he could. Um, he's managed to, uh, to spend a lot of time at NC State um, since leaving Syracuse. Yeah, I, I think with Martin, like you said, part of one of the more successful teams in recent SU memory. Um, Hope that everything worked out for him down in Dallas. I'm sure, to be honest, like knowing that they were kind of a Texas family for a long time, like, you know, moving up to, to central New York, um, definitely not like the easiest transition. I'm sure that there's, there's a lot more family and friends and support, um, you know, down in Texas uh, for them. So awesome for him. I'm sure that there's a, there's a lot of people online thinking that they can be the new senior uh, offensive analyst. Um good news for you is that uh, you will not be the senior senior offensive analyst and Dino will probably hire somebody from his past. If I had to guess, um, no idea who that is. Could be really anybody. Um, there's plenty of guys um, who have been grad assistants for the last couple of years from his Bowling Green days, East Illinois days um, that could fill that role. It could be a coach trying to maybe like write out the string. I don't know, but offensive analyst, not like the craziest and like most important role, but um, one that I am intrigued to see filled in any case. Yeah, I think we just know a lot more about the kind of de- – I mean, staffs are bigger now than, like, when either of us started really following college football by a decent amount. Uh, you can thank Alabama and company for that. Um, but now we know so much more about these guys who are not on-field coaches. But, like, the Ryan Barto hire made me pretty excited. Uh, he's Syracuse's new director of high school relations. He comes from Oregon. Oregon has an awesome – awesome recruiting apparatus um and obviously they're at a different like level of program than us but also but but recruiting to oregon is probably not super dissimilar to recruiting to syracuse just like when you remove like the success of the two programs uh from the equation like the the two areas are not that dissimilar you know not huge football uh hotbeds so to, to bring someone in from that background i think is pretty exciting so um definitely some interesting moves uh, as we near uh spring football starting up soon yeah, that was a great segue, actually. I was going to talk about Bartow next. Um, he has a really interesting background um, for those who uh, didn't, like, read into it. Um, he was a director of high school relations at Oregon. Um, he was a big part of them landing uh, top Pac-12 classes. He was in charge of West Coast recruiting at XOS most recently. Um, they're a recruiting site for those who don't follow as much for that he, uh, he was covering recruiting. So uh, for those of you who follow teenagers on Twitter and tweet at them and I guess eventually get a job at one of the recruiting sites, um, you could end up on a college football staff, which is not something that I, uh, I thought was possible. Um, yeah, Barto covered um, UNC um, for all sports and, and especially recruiting um, on Tar Heels Illustrated for 2005-2006. 
Uh, he was covering Clemson for rivals uh, from 2006 to 2013, which is quite a while. Um, he was the lead college football recruiting reporter for 24-7 uh, from 2013 to 2017. Um, so, yeah, like a really weird uh, route to get there. But uh, this one's interesting. I, I definitely think that, yeah, like you said, if you could bring the recruiting apparatus, I mean, really, like I, I think some of the social media know-how, like SU social is, is pretty decent, but I think, you know, like from a recruiting standpoint, um, I feel like the commit to cues, um, you know, feed is maybe an underutilized resource uh, and, and something that that maybe he ends up, you know, getting going in, in more, just, just I, I guess, with a little more energy behind it. And, and that's not to deride anyone as much to say that, you know, there's always more you can do on the recruiting front, I guess. Um, and, and there's always more that, that you can utilize from a, from an asset standpoint. And obviously we have, um, you know, plenty of digital presences and, and, and there'll be plenty more. Um, probably added under Bartos. So uh, maybe an underrated ad, but, but an interesting one. And I think, you know, this once again shows that like Dino's, Dino's definitely been looking at the recruiting rankings and looking at what's occurred in recent years and, and, and actively wants to kind of pivot upward um, for, for the 2021 class. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously going to Oregon is not like the worst place in the world to do it. They, they, they do plenty with their social media and everything else that they, uh, can kind of find those like hidden potential, like just little angles on. So, um, always good to bring in new ideas. I know we've had like a weird Syracuse Oregon connection and other parts of the athletic department that haven't gone uh, quite as well, but Barto is like definitely a, a more fresh young face uh, and someone who is more directly involved with the football stuff. So I'm excited about it. Um, and just overall, like uh, always appreciate when there are new developments uh, that kind of take our football program and our athletic department in general kind of out of their comfort zone. I think that's usually a, a pretty good thing. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Dan, anything else before we, uh, before we part ways today? No, I think that's it. Uh, hopefully we uh, pick up another win on Wednesday and just kind of keep things uh, rolling forward and see where see where we end up. Obviously Saturday yeah. we have the big one against a struggling but always dangerous UNC team that we will hopefully not mess up. Yeah, we've uh, we've lost eight straight to UNC. Um, we, They've definitely we got won. our work up in the ACC um, by a decent by, yeah, by a mile. We uh, so we we've actually won two straight in this series for the first time ever. Uh, we won eighty seven seventy one in November of two thousand nine, which I think was like kind of the first game that a lot of people thought like, oh shit, like the I was at, I was at that game. game. It was wonderful. <laughs> I was at game of the Darden, and Andy Routens just ruined Roy Williams' offense. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this seven steals for for Routens. Um, that was, I remember I was out of the party that night. Uh, we all, Everyone had the game on. Um, and yeah, that, that was kind of when people started like, I mean, it was early, but that's when like, I think a lot of us kind of knew like this could actually be like something that year. And, and it, it could have been even more than it was. Um, obviously team was one seed, a lot of other things that we don't need to talk about for, you know, just avoiding depression. Um, 2014 team, um, SU was pretty good that year. Um, SU beat them by 12. UNC wasn't that great that year. Uh, but then since then, uh, lost 93-83, uh, lost 84-73, lost 75-70. Uh, we lost to them in the Final Four, for those that recall, 83-66. I was at that game. Uh, that's unfortunate. And I wish I had your game under my belt instead. Um, 85-68 loss in 2017, 78-74 in 2018 during the regular season, and then a, uh, a not-that-competitive 
loss in the ACC tournament in 2018, and then an eight-point loss last year that really should have pissed you off too, uh, just because we had it uh, for seemingly like 30 minutes and then everything just kind of fell apart. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was at that ACC tournament game too, and that was one where like we had like the the window open in the second half, I think, if I remember correctly, and then it just got slammed shut, and we yeah. lost the lost the uh, lost the plot down the stretch. Um, definitely some like near misses. Obviously, the the final four game, another like we had like a, a, a inkling of light at one point, relatively late, and then just like ran out of steam. But we were just so happy after the Virginia win that I don't think anyone's like super bummed out about that one ultimately um, as far as final four losses go. Um, but yeah, just like it would be very nice, even with UNC at like four and 12 or whatever they're at in the ACC, like just getting uh, what is kind of a monkey on our back off um, against this team when they're down. And also uh, Dior, uh, uh, Dior Johnson's going to be in the building. Chance Westry's in the building. Um a chance to really build on the recruiting momentum that is much needed. Yeah. I'd very much like to see us uh, start converting uh, onto 2021 guys. So that's even more fun for, you know, DR and some other 2022 guys to, to jump into the fold in the team that's maybe rising instead of what we've noticed lately of kind of falling or leveling off or, um, you know, being a bubble team for the umpteenth straight year. Yep. I, I, Dan, I, I, I guess we just didn't, we didn't appreciate all the times that we weren't a bubble team for most of a 20 years, 20 plus year stretch. And, and, and since then it's kind of been torture uh, every, every single March. Yeah. I, I do feel like we're stuck in like round hard day. Um, the, the seasons are very different and yet like, I mean, I guess this year we're, we're farther behind, which yeah. means we'll probably end up finding a way in. But um, it definitely feels like this weird like ride we haven't been able to get off of since uh, the NCAA violations team down. Um, and I'd very much like to. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, granted, if, if, if there's any inkling of yeah. us being able to, uh, to get ourselves into the NCAA tournament from here, um, as soon as the run starts, I'm printing the Apology Tour t-shirts. But... Uh, <laughs> But it's not going to happen. It would be something for our for our first stress free uh, slush and Sunday since well 2015 where we were banned. Um, <laughs> but really, our first Great stress job. free. Uh, <laughs> I knew that was the case. I was just trying to think, uh, think of the best way to phrase it. Um, but 2015 is the answer. Uh, 2014, last time we got in without much drama. Um, it would be appropriate for that to come after winning the ACC tournament. Uh, entering after like a very, very middling season with no good not conference wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's how you know Syracuse is back, baby. Just uh, ro- running off just completely uh, unnecessary, like un- unfounded streaks of win teams that they looked helpless against uh, during the year. I, I would want that to happen. I wouldn't care even if we lost in the first round of the uh, NCAA tournament. Is, is I would just want that for the outrage that that would occur amongst ACC fans for the for like the next eight months. And then we'd be like, "Oh, this this is like you know this we do this every so often. You just guys, you just uh, you guys don't know. Like ask the Big East. We do this. This is a thing. Yeah, this was a thing for like <laughs> a long time, <laughs> and then it stopped being a thing. But yeah, this was like a really annoying thing we did. Ugh. Please, we can only please, please do it in Greensboro because because it's it's, oh, it's, it's it's the Greensboro factor and 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 like I mean the shit talking like Jim wouldn't even have to say anything he could just sit there and smirk. And I honestly then, feel like the the last time we were in Greensboro for the ACC tournament um, was the Tyler Ennis team I think 
Um, and that that ACC tournament, I was at the game we lost NC State, um, the only game we played. Uh, I feel like that kind of started this run of like weirdness with our program. That like specific, I know the team started struggling before the ACC tournament, but it feels like that kind of like knocked us off kilter for what feels now six years. So it'd be appropriate for us to like close the circle, close the loop, and like find a way to win this whole thing. That's fair. We did have 2015 was also in Greensboro. Right. We lost. What did that, we do? That, that? That, that was the no value. No, sorry. The no value one was the next year, wasn't it? No, two years from then. When no, did no value? We didn't play because we were banned. Well, no, yeah. No value happened when we, were the, when we were at Barclays the first time. Yes. Um, I, I, I would say, I would say that, that if, if Syracuse could pull that off, that, that it turns into like WWE and and Jim and Jim says at the end that Syracuse has some value or that Greensboro has some value. Uh, <laughs> That'd be incredible. Uh, just 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 a meme forever. Um, all right, why don't we call it there? I think that's the best place to end. Yes. Yeah. Dan, thank you as always for hopping on. Of course, uh, glad glad that I'm not dying in bed uh, as I was uh, six days ago. So happy to, to, to be back and happy to uh, have a coming off a win, not off of that Louisville game. This would have been a much darker podcast if possible. Had it <laughs> off that Louisville game. Fair. <laughs> well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and go orange. Go orange. <laughs>